Welcome to the Quest Express, your passport to immersive travel experiences and cozy conversations. For curious explorers who understand the art of slow travel, we're your go-to podcast. Every few weeks, we touch the heartbeat of a new city where we chat with artists, innovators, historians, and entrepreneurs who make each city come alive. The Quest Express is not just a podcast. It's your ultimate slow travel companion. It's an invitation to begin your own quest. In today's episode, Frank will do a tarot reading, as well as give us an inside look behind the curtain of the best places to go off the beaten path that only New Orleanians know about. Enjoy this episode and check out his website, frenchquarterfrank.com. I'm a little curious about ragtime. That that was kind of a stepping stone, right? I just think of player pianos, movies in like the the tens and the twenties. I think that was around the time of ragtime. A little bit earlier. A little bit earlier. Earlier. Yeah. Okay. But you know, ragtime was an example of a characteristic of New Orleans, and that is New Orleans, New Orleans is very, in many ways, traditional and set in its ways, but at the same time, very inspirational for creative innovation. Mm. And so, whether that's music or painting or art or food or whatever. That was kind of a result of that. The other important factor with ragtime and jazz in the early years was Storyville. I don't know if you're familiar with Storyville. Storyville was a district where they made it, the city made clear that they were not going to enforce the laws against sex work or what used to be called prostitution. Mm-hmm. So it was a red light district. And many of the bordellos and, and pleasure houses of Storyville some of the more opulent ones anyway, featured jazz musicians. It would be like a nightclub on the on the first level, and then people would go upstairs for R&R. Yeah. But Storyville and the brothels in Storyville served as an incubator for an early form of jazz. Hmm. Now, so maybe I'm missing something, but how did the how were the brothels involved again? So the brothels were venues where people would go to meet women, right? But you, right. You, these houses, they were all on the edge of the French Quarter on a street called Basin Street, which is just adjacent to the French Quarter. It was, it was actually like a, a larger neighborhood, maybe five or six blocks by 10 blocks, something like that. And the more opulent bordellos or brothels would be uh, nightclubs on the first level, maybe a little gambling as well, but gentlemen would go and they were conveniently located right next to the train depot. So, I mean, you, if you were... Coming to New Orleans on business, you could have a, a girl and a cocktail and hearing a jazz band within 30 seconds of stepping off the train. So the brothels would have, you know, a nightclub with a jazz band, dancing, maybe a little gambling on the first floor. You would the girls would circulate. And then uh, when when a gentleman caller met one that he that he liked, he would they would go upstairs and do their thing. But so the brothels of Storyville served as an incubator for a lot of early jazz musicians, one of the most influential of which was a gay man named Tony Jackson, who uh, eventually would find great fame up in Chicago. Okay, cool. I'll check him out. I asked you earlier if you would mind giving me just a mini tarot card reading. But before we do that, could you give me a little bit of a background around how the tarot figures in or any occult practices with New Orleans, why it was receptive before, and then we'll do a quick reading. New Orleans has always been 
fascinated with mysticism and esoterica. I like to describe New Orleans as a spiritual vortex. There's a lot of energy here. A lot of a lot of people have come through. A lot of people have died here. You know, I don't know if ghosts exist, but if they do, there's a lot of them here. Uh, there's certainly a lot of residual energy in New Orleans, and it was you know founded by the French and also the Spanish were in charge for a while. Both of those nations are, at that time were very Roman Catholic, right? But New Orleans was in the early years, the colonial years was kind of like when you were a kid and you went to school and your homeroom teacher was sick and you had a sub and you realized, oh, this is going to be great. We can do what we want. New Orleans has never had a homeroom teacher, right? It was always just kind of a far-flung outpost that was free to do whatever it wanted, mm. which I think accounts for a lot of our Ube, uh here today. In any event, you've also got the influence of a voodoo, which arrives via the slave trade, right? And wherever you have the slave trade, you'll have some version of voodoo. Now, unlike Catholicism and other monotheistic religions, voodoo is an oral tradition. There's no sacred book or text. And so it tends to absorb into itself the folklore and customs and culture of whatever area in which it finds itself. Divination is, is a part of all that. And so tarot readings, tarot cards, and readers have always fit in very easily here in New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Is it possible? So do we know who it came with? If, if if It's definitely not the Catholics, right? No. Could it have been the Sicilians? No, it was here before that. Okay. It's not something you can really point to and say that this person brought it or it came yeah. in this year. It's just something that's always been around. I mean, the tarot deck has been around for hundreds of years. Okay. Is it okay if I do too many questions? Sure. Okay. We'll make it quick. So my first one is, I would like to know, what do I need to know about Mr. X? And well, that's an anonymous. So that's all I want to know. Just what do I need to know about Mr. X? Okay. Let me draw a card. Okay. You've drawn the six of wands. Okay. So for those not familiar with the tarot card, tarot is based on four suits of which one is wands. Wands correspond to a, uh, a fire sign. They, they represent who we are at our core, what makes us tick, what we're passionate about. But in addition to the four signs, you've got wands, pentacles, coins, and cups. They're also numbered. So you see the number at the very top right here is six. So tarot is based on zero to nine, zero being a beginning, nine being a completion. Six is sort of right there in the middle. And what the Six of Wands represents is a card of recognition, triumphant procession, acknowledgement for achievements. And in many cases, it's it's overdue acknowledgement and recognition. Not always. It could signify upcoming an award or honor. And so I don't know if Mr. X, the person you're referring to, is the person being honored and recognized or is going to be on the other side of that. But that's the card we got. Mm, interesting. Perhaps someone who likes to be recognized. And okay, I've got one other quick question. Okay. I am a dragon and we are entering the year of the dragon in February in 2024. Everyone would like to think that when it's their year, this is going to be my year. So I just like to know just a short reading on what should be my focus for 2024 in order to make it a lucky year. Okay. Let me, let me draw three cards. Okay. Perfect. Okay. And this is going to be past, current, future. So past, present, future. So the past card is the queen of pentacles. Mm. 
That is a wonderful card. It is a card of financial security, good physical health. That's where you're coming from. That's in the recent past. That's a great foundation to build on, and it puts you in a great spot for what is to come. So the present current situation, we've got the Knight of Cups. The Knight of Cups is an exciting card. The court, this, the knight is a court card, right? So there are usually signifies uh, a person in your life. Cups are emotions and the subconscious, right? So a lot of times the knight of cups represents a new romantic or love interest. Not necessarily, but that is um, the, this card in the in the in the current present situation means that you're dealing with a lot of emotions. So the future, near future card is the Knight of Swords. Wow. Yeah. So the Knight <laughs> of Swords indicates, now look at the difference, okay? So this Knight of Cups is just kind of slowly galloping, managing emotions, right? Mm -hmm. But the Knight of Swords is like rushing into battle. So in the future position, this card indicates a battle, some type of conflict, some type of turmoil in the near future. Swords are an air sign. They represent the life of the mind, particularly communication, which is obviously what you do. So I would I would say to be on the lookout for kind of turmoil or conflict with regard to work. Wow. Okay. But the good news is you're in charge of your emotions mm -hmm. and your finances and your health are good. So you are right. prepared to handle whatever this is. Okay, great. I like that. I'll take it. For those who are coming to New Orleans, what would you recommend they do so that they can just marinate in your knowledge? Would you recommend they book a tour with you? And like, let's say that they've never been to New Orleans and let's just assume they're going to go during Mardi Gras, which we're in the middle of right now. So let's assume they're doing all the known things what would you recommend they do for like a week trip to new orleans first well I, I would certainly if it's somebody's first time there are a couple of things i would say number one explore the french quarter but not don't stay on bourbon street you know walk walk bourbon street to say you've done it but it's not typical of the french quarter so uh definitely talk to the locals fine if you're a bar going person or a drinker Find a bar where the locals hang out and, and get to know some locals and really try to soak up the city's culture from that perspective. I love giving tours to small groups of people, especially if it's their first time. Mm -hmm. uh, and I try to customize those tours to whatever people are interested in, specialize in niche tours. But I would say, you know, get off of Bourbon Street. We have a lot of great museums in the French Quarter and throughout the city, for that matter. I would definitely check those out. City Park, I think, is one of the best kept secrets in the city. It's a beautiful 1,500 acre green space uh, with a lot of beautiful ancient old live oak trees and, and other features that are definitely worth checking out. And there are a lot of great day excursions outside the city, which are available as well. But definitely don't spend all your time on Bourbon Street. So when you say niche tours, do you mean by that people can customize their own tour? Or do you have a short list of, of niche tours that you like to do? I will do a niche tour for whatever people are interested in. So most of the tours that I get requests for are uh, LGBTQ history or literary history. 
maybe architecture, but whatever it may be, uh, that's kind of what I do. I can also do a general shotgun approach to general overview to everything. But yeah, so whatever people are interested in, I customize the tour to to fit that need. Very cool. Um, Do you happen to have any favorite local neighborhood bars that you have a favorite? Well, we've only got 40 minutes. (laughs) There are a number of great bars in the French Quarter and surrounding neighborhoods. That's the other thing I should mention. Next to the French Quarter, directly adjacent to it, is a neighborhood called the Marigny, which is a wonderful neighborhood where Frenchman Street is located. But as far as bars go, in the French Quarter, I would recommend the Black Penny. I would also recommend Harry's Corner. I would recommend the Aaron Rose. I would recommend Grand Prix. Uh, I would also recommend uh, The Crossing. Uh, If you're into gay bars, uh, I would suggest The Corner Pocket, maybe Cafe Lafitte in Exile, or The Golden Lantern. In the Marigny neighborhood, my favorite bar is The Friendly Bar, which, as this name suggests, is very friendly. (laughs) But there's also Cajun's Pub. Uh, there's the Always Lounge for gay men who are into a masculine sensibility. There's the Phoenix. Hmm. Wow. Yeah, there's no shortage of bars in New Orleans. That's a lot of linking to be doing. but uh, <laughs> <laughs> So I think that's a great short list, though. Um, okay, so what would you say that is underrated or people don't hear about so much in New Orleans? I would say the city's literary heritage. Because when most people think of New Orleans, they think of food or music, maybe Mardi Gras, which is all great. But we have an incredible literary heritage here in New Orleans. And and one of my favorite tours to give is the literary tour. But there's a lot to explore on that topic. The other thing I would mention is the Vietnamese population. You know, after the Vietnam War, the Catholic Church here in New Orleans built housing for those who had been displaced by the war. And many of Vietnamese people came. And we have a thriving Vietnamese population in New Orleans now. And when most people think of New Orleans food, they probably don't think Vietnamese food, but we have some of the best Vietnamese food in the country. I would suggest exploring that as well. Okay. And so back to the literary heritage, is the heritage that famous authors were drawn to New Orleans because it they it was inspiring for them and they got material and they like to write about it? Or is that it produced a lot of authors? Because the first book that I'm thinking of is one of my favorite books of all time that I laughed out loud through in public, which is Confederacy of Dunces by John Kennedy. Oh, I love that book. Yeah. So I would answer your question by saying yes to both, right? So Confederacy is a great example of how the city has inspired a great work of literature. Mm-hmm. But but Toole grew up here. He was a product of the city. Okay. But there were other writers who were not from here who came here and found inspiration. Walt Whitman being chief among them, Tennessee Williams, and many others. So the, the city is just a wellspring of inspiration artistically, literarily, culinarily, musically, you name it. Who are some of your influences? Because you you write short stories and poems as well, right? Yes. Uh, I mostly write history. I've only published one short story. Okay. Which, but, and, and then the poetry I've written, I don't do it very often. I just published a poem a couple of months ago for the first time in 20 years. Most of what I write are history columns. Okay. 
But for me, my favorite writers, my favorite novel or book about New Orleans is Confederacy of Dunces. Yeah. Ignatius. Yeah. That book really captures the city. I mean, if I were the mayor of New Orleans, I would just make that standard issue to everybody who moves here. You know, you, you move to the city, read this, because it's a great introduction to the various neighborhoods and dialects and quirky characters and whatnot. Absolutely. Believe it or not, there are some people that don't like that book. Well, maybe they... I don't understand those people. Yeah. Well, it's meant to be comedy, even though it was kind of a tragic comedy. I would also out of the flashing for beads and whatnot. I'm not going to say that doesn't exist. It does not. It does happen. But that is such a small, tiny part of what carnival season and Mardi Gras is all about. It's really, really a complex phenomenon that I think everyone should experience. And believe it or not, for the most part, citywide, Mardi Gras is a very family-friendly day. It's not all just drunken shenanigans, although that's pretty common in the French Quarter. What haven't I asked that you cannot believe that I haven't asked you yet? You've done a pretty good job of covering a lot of ground. Oh, thanks. You know, the food scene is, is pretty amazing if you're a foodie. There's, uh, you know, you could spend a month here and still not scratch the surface of it. So the food scene is pr- pretty amazing. Okay, what if someone wanted to come and just like hunker down for like four to six weeks? I've heard recently from one of our other guests that there is a short-term rental kerfuffle or conflict. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So if someone did want to come and just kind of try out the city for four to six weeks or for inspiration or for food, where would you recommend that they stay for four to six weeks? Airbnbs have become a real problem. Yeah. The, the, the problem is with illegal Airbnbs, right? The, the city doesn't enforce the regulations that we have on the books. But if you can find a legal Airbnb where the owner lives on site, that may be an option. I would probably, instead of doing that, would go for a bed and breakfast or a guest house that do, uh, you know, month to two month rentals that are legal. The problem with Airbnbs, if the owner doesn't live on site, the, the problem is out-of-town land developers come in and buy up houses and just rent them out, and they, they may be halfway across the country. They don't care about the neighborhood. But what that does is it, it, it drives the price, the rent prices up, and it drives out residents. So in the long term, probably not the best thing for the neighborhood. I mean, if you own the building, it's good because you make a lot of money, but probably not good for the neighborhood in the long term yeah you can't have a neighborhood without neighbors yeah and yeah exactly i agree that has to be protected yeah they are illegal in the french quarter although they're everywhere because the city does not do a good job of enforcing anything really (laughs) new orleans is a wonderful city but in many regards it, it has its challenges yeah and the city government especially of late under our current mayor's administration just seems completely unwilling to enforce anything, whether it's noise regulations or short-term rentals or what have you. New Orleans is wonderful, but it's not without its challenges. It's just like with anywhere. Let's say, God forbid, this would never happen, but let's say you can stay in New Orleans for the rest of your life, but you can only live in and go to three neighborhoods. So which three neighborhoods would you want to spend time in if you could only visit three french quarter marini and treme treme t-r-e-m-e awesome let's just free associate word associate so i'm gonna 
say a word, and then you just vomit all the words that you think of, if that's okay. Okay. Okay, so the first one, New Orleans. Vibrant, beautiful, old, wrinkled. New Orleans reminds me of an old lover whose beauty is faded and is somewhat tarnished, but still can show you a good time. Ooh, that's the best metaphor I've ever heard. I love that. Well, actually, I kind of borrowed that from William Faulkner. <laughs> okay. But still, it's a good one. An old lover whose beauty has faded, but can still show you a good time? Yes. That's a good one. That's directly from uh, a work by William Faulkner. So I don't want to be accused okay. of plagiarizing, so I'm telling you yeah. that. So Ignatius. Oh, <laughs> hilarious, brilliant, disgusting, <laughs> repulsive, <laughs> accurate, <laughs> funny. Are you sure you're not talking about Larry David? <laughs> I, I love Ignatius. I, you know, he, he's in many ways, he's very emblematic of New Orleans. He's a brilliant character. Mm -hmm. I remember him as very kind of like earnestly but cluelessly rebellious, but also very stubborn. Yes. Uh, to me, you, he's yeah. he's kind of like Archie Bunker, right? I mean, he he's wrong about so many things, but yet he's vulnerable and lovable. It's like yeah. he, 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 on paper, you just want to slap him, <laughs> but you love him because he's so adorable. Yeah. What comes to mind when I say Hurricane Katrina? Negligence, federal failure, devastation, resilience. But mostly what Katrina makes me think of is how the federal government failed New Orleans. Mm -hmm. Because if, if when people say the levees failed, those levees were concrete seawalls built by the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers. It wasn't water from the river or the gulf that flooded the city. It was water from the lake that's north of the city, like Pontchartrain, 613-square-mile lake. But the river and the lake are connected by canals, which are protected by concrete seawalls. Those are the walls, the levees, that fail. And those levees were built and maintained by the federal government. If those levees had not breached, it would have been just another windy, rainy day in New Orleans. Mm. So it was a federal disaster. Got it. Yeah. Anything good that do you think has come out of the pandemic for New Orleans? Anything good that came out of all of that? No. Right, because it was another... No, I mean, it was devastating economically. I mean, I suppose you could argue, this is not really specific to New Orleans, but having the entire world just shut down for a few months is probably good for the environment, but not much of anything else. And in New Orleans, it was very, very eerie. Okay, I just want to do one last personal question. What do you want to be remembered for? Like, what would you like on your epitaph? He dot dot dot. I suppose writing. They could just put writer uh, or historian. I mean, I, I really feel like documenting queer history is super important. In a way, it's an act of resistance. Mm. Uh, and Lord knows we need resisting um, right now. But you know, I'm a survivor of conversion therapy, and I don't want anyone to ever have to go through that again. And mm. I just feel like if you don't know where you come from, you're doomed to repeat it. You know, that, that, that old cliche about history. So I would just like to be remembered as a writer who tried to leave the world a better place than he found it. Beautiful. I love that. Frank, 
I, I look forward to taking one of your tours when I come to New Orleans. And okay. yeah, and every I hope everyone else will check out his website. There's a wealth of information there. And it was so great to have you. Thank you. It was my pleasure. 